Hey guys, before we start the podcast formally, um, there have been some news during the last month that Booster is uh, discontinuing the Omakase subscription box. And we just wanted to dedicate this episode to the awesome, awesome team at Booster and wish them luck in their future endeavors and hopefully that Omakase will return in some sort of way, form. Um, I personally have never been a subscriber, but uh, Bish has been one of those. Uh, what do you have to say about this? Um, so I've been a subscriber of Omakase since, actually even since before they started. Um, I was lucky enough to receive the Alpha box, which was the Miku box. And and uh, obviously since then I've been just getting the rest of the boxes because, you know, it was pretty pretty awesome experience to get. Like, I don't know. For me, it was... It was unique because no one else was doing it at the time and all the stuff was fully licensed. Um, it's it's a shame to see it go, to be honest. What do you think they could have done to keep the service afloat? I think they should have just split it into anime streaming and anime merch, potentially. Um, putting them both together, it was just too much things. Too many things that people didn't want. And obviously they're investing in other things. They were investing in... Um, the music side of things, the comic side of things, and people really just ignored those things. So I think dropping those or potentially putting them into a different service would have made more sense to me personally. Well, lessons to be learned. Um, again, Buster, this episode is for you and good luck. Hey guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of Get A Light Podcast Kunai. I'm Tyson Matsuki. Um, Bish is ill so he couldn't be with us today but we got the regular crowd of people here um sad boys sad face yes yeah so we got kevin hey guys and we got joe hi wow what an enthusiastic hi the intentional depressing hi bitch isn't talking right now but he's he's still listening to this chat so he's watching us from above you know he's giving us moral support yeah I'd introduce him, but he's ill, so he's not be able to talk. Anyway, what we're going to do today is that we're going to be covering Shirobako. And as always, before we start with the discussion, we got a little disclaimer for you. All right, for those of you new to the Get Alive Podcast Kunai bandwagon, Get Alive Podcast Kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the Get Alive Podcast group. Due to the nature of the discussion, we're going to have to spoil a bunch of stuff because like, it's kind of hard to avoid spoilers during discussions. And for shows that are based off an existing piece of work, whether it's manga, light novel, or any other form of media, we are uncovering the source material for those um, types of media. We can be found on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Google Play. We're live in Google Play? Yep. Ooh, awesome. If you'd like to recommend the show to us to watch and make an episode for it on Kunai, then send your suggestion on Twitter at, at GetAlifePodcastKunai or at G-A-L-P Kunai or by email at galp.p at gmail.com. We only ask that you guys show shows that have at most 30 episodes. That's G-A-L-P dot P-E-A at gmail.com. That's the email for Bish's secretary. If you have any feedback that you want to send us, um, you can contact that email. Anyway, Shirobako, or White Box, referencing the master tapes that were given to the production staff, is a comedy drama show based on an original concept by the production team at Warner Brothers Japan. This two-core show, spanning... 
24 episodes, aired from fall 2014 to spring 2015, was produced by animation studio Progressive Animation Works and directed by Tsutomu Mitsushima. Shirobako begins with the five members of the Kaminoyama High School Animation Clubs all making a pledge to work hard on their very first amateur production and make it into a success. After showing it to an audience at a culture festival, that pledge turned into a huge dream. To move to Tokyo, get jobs in the anime industry, and one day join hands to create something amazing. Fast forward two and a half years, and two of those members, Aoi Miyamori and Emma Yasuhara, have made their dreams into reality by landing jobs at a famous production company called Musashino Animation, which from here onwards, we'll just call it Musani. Everything seems perfect at first, However, as the girls slowly discover, the animation industry is a bit tougher than they had imagined. Who said making your dream come true was easy? Well, dreams are hard, so let's start off with the first impressions. Uh, Kevin, do you want to start? Sure, okay. So, I'll be honest, I literally did not hear of Shirbako until you brought it up. I had no idea really? it was a... Th- yeah, R- no, really? I, I never heard of it. It, it. it was kind of popular in my corner of any Twitter. I don't know about yours. I, I don't know if I was into anime back then, because, you know... I feel like it was last year! It was last year, dude! No, last year was 2015. It, was in, it aired in 2014, so... It was still... Oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. I'm I sorry. Still, I was like, I derp. An, I was still a newbie back then, right? So I didn't really hear about it until now. And, um, you know, right off the bat, just from the description, right? Because it's an anime about making anime, right? It's, it's like, it's so meta, right? And when I watched the first episode, what I was expecting for the rest of the season was honestly um, K-On! Because, you know, the, the intro with a club and everything meets Bakuman. And, you know, Bakuman's manga about making manga, right? So I was expecting some sort of uh, slice of life slash romance um, anime about making anime. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, <laughs> when I watched the first episode, my first thought was, you know what? All of these characters, especially um, Aoi, they're all so innocent and oblivious, right? They're all so optimistic. And it's like they don't know... They've never been on any Twitter, right? So their, their dreams aren't crushed yet, <laughs> right? So I'm like... They're still so pure, but immediately in the first episode, there's all you already have the, the tension, you know, with um, the deadlines having to be met, and there's all the stress and stuff, right? So I changed my mind pretty quickly. Um, so don't let it, don't let the first few minutes fool you. Uh, this is a slice of life anime. It's all about friendships and stuff, but it tackles the more serious aspects of uh, producing anime as well and that comes with all the, the stress all the emotions and stuff so it's not what you expect at first don't take this anime at face value and um to be honest this is not an anime i'd say i'd recommend to a newbie to be honest i think that it's just the fact that uh there's such a large cast that it's really easy to get lost right like in the first episode, they throw a bunch of characters and a bunch of names at you, and you're like, oh my god, what the hell is going on, right? So, it's really easy to get lost. It's one of the few anime that you actually, I feel, you have to take notes while watching, because otherwise you get lost in the sea of characters and all the technicalities are getting thrown at you. So, uh, newcomers to the anime uh, fandom might get uh, a bit intimidated, but for those who are more experienced, I think you'll feel right at home. 
Well, if you do the kind of stuff that we do, then mm -hmm. yes, you do need to take notes. Uh, Joe? Um, well, unlike Kevin, I actually um, I was ac actually aware of the show back when it was still airing. And so, like, I heard like I heard we were going to watch the show for the podcast. And I was really interested because, like, it's something I've been planning to watch for a while. And then, like, right off the bat, like, I personally... Like, I know Kevin said, like, oh, like... He does, like it goes right off the bat. Like he he said that like it kind of takes its its time to show you like how it goes, but for like the after the first few minutes, the show like the show just changes. Like it just hits you like a book. Like it goes from like their time in junior in junior college, I think it was. Uh, junior high. Junior high, or was it junior college? Some of them were were on the last year of high school, and some of them were on their second last year, I believe. Uh, um, sophomore is that how it's called? The second year of high school? I don't know, to be honest. Well, like, well, anyway, like wherever you're there in, like, like for it was them working on like this this low budget animation, and then it immediately jumps to them as adults, where they're like stressing out to try to create this an this anime be like before like trying to create episodes of this anime before their air dates. I agree with Kevin when he says that you you'd want to have experience with shows before you actually watch it before you actually watch this show because there are a lot of characters that that aren't flat at all. Like what I from what I saw for the first few episodes, it, the characters were they I, there, there wasn't a single character that felt bland to me like each one had their own little personality and it's like you'd want to remember all you want to you want to remember every single one of them and with that said you'd have to remember a lot of different japanese names which would be it should be very difficult to somebody who's new to the show but enough of that about that like in as far as the like main content goes i was very confused for the first few episodes like not not in the sense like i was like I didn't know what was going on, but it's like they were, it was going really fast. It was fast paced because, because like, like I said, it goes, it goes right off the bat and like shows you like the stress and struggle of people working in the, in the anime industry where like everyone's trying to like do this. So you're trying to draw this art while there are other people trying to cut. And then it's just, it's crazy. Like, it's just like a long ride from there. All right. So I'm Tyson. It is very fast-paced by design. It's not something that was put in there accidentally. It is fast-paced by design. So, first impressions of me. Um, I actually managed to catch this show while it was airing. There was this particular Crunchyroll employee, Miles, I'm looking at you, that <laughs> is very much a fanatic of the show. And it seemed like right up my alley. I mean... I'm usually interested in behind-the-scenes stuff. So, a meta anime, an anime about making anime, seemed like something that I would definitely enjoy. And, my God, I did. Although some of the themes that this show touches upon weren't immediately clear to me. I mean, this is the anime that I was watching while I was working out at the treadmill here in my house. So, I didn't pay that much attention. With this rewatch, there are certain themes that certainly made themselves more clear, probably because I was paying more attention. So, so there's the issue of optimism, um, working in the anime industry. And I do have to mention, for instance, 
this show is not meant to be a Bible, nor how things specifically wrong in the anime industry. It's not like uh, the production team at Progressive Animation Works just saw uh, one studio and then decided to model that after Shirobako. So it's really important to keep that in mind because some of the techniques they may use to to produce anime is not what they do on other anime studios. So I think that distinction should be very clear. But if anything, um, I feel I felt like Shirobako has two layers, basically. Like the layer of the idealists, and in a way it could be the creator's message about how the anime industry can change, and the underpinning layer of how the anime industry actually works. And it is fast-paced, Although I would argue that most of the names that you see on the show are forgettable and people that you don't really need to remember the, the names, but you have to remember their roles. Yeah. What did they do to the production mm. and whatnot? But we can touch upon that much later. So with that in mind, let's just tackle the story in there. I don't know if you guys agree with me on the appreciation of the story. Um, I mean, it's a slice of life, but it also has an underpinning story, like the goal of these girls to make an anime together, um, the sort of uh, blissful ignorance kind of type of story, I suppose. What do you guys have to add on that? Like you said, it's a slice of life anime, and just like almost any other slice of life anime, it's not completely devoid of a plot. I mean, there's a starting point and an end point, alright? But how the characters get from point A to point B, it's not defined, it's not controlled, alright? It's, you know, it's an anime about the everyday life, the nitty gritty of working in an anime production studio, alright? So. Uh, don't go into this anime expecting some sort of like um, Attack on Titan or uh, Blasted Tempest level story. It's not that. Um, above all, it's not an anime that prioritizes um, story. It focuses mainly on giving the viewers a good idea of how uh, the industry works. But like you said, Tyson, you can't really take it as a, a Bible that, you know, this is exactly how the anime works. Uh, the industry works because, you know, I saw Shirobaka, right? But at the same time, it's it's really focused on the technical details uh, of anime production and also on the characters. There's a big cast of characters and they all get their own, um, their own moments. They're really realistic. Joe? Um, now there's, like, I'm strangely attracted to this story. Like, it's, it's really weird. Like, would you... When you think about it, would you really want to watch a show about people working? It's like, let's just like, just go, just just try to go with it here. It's like, would you watch a show where people just work? No, but it's, I don't, no, but I think that... Well, it's just, well just let me finish, let me finish. Okay. And yet, the story manages to make it, make working in the anime industry. Like, like you said, it isn't like completely, like 100% accurate. When it comes to how like working conditions are, it's just I, the characters make it very interesting. The characters make it feel like the office is always full of life, and like it always, it's like there there have been a lot of moments in the story where I've just laughed, like especially like even when it was getting re- very serious, because there would always be like a few people that would just like lay low or kind of just freak out in the funniest way, and it's. 
that's where the that's where I see the charm in the show. Like it's it's like working in the industry with a twist. Like while it's always so busy and like it it, it sends some messages, it also like manages to make it as interesting as a regular anime. So that kind of it blends everything together. It just works well to me. I completely agree with you, Joe. It's uh, the characters really make this anime shine and. To kind of respond to your question, would I just watch an anime about people working? No, I wouldn't. But yeah, exactly. Let's remember point. here that you know, Shibaku isn't just a show about people working, right? Much like K-On! isn't just about someone going to school. It's really uh, an anime that does a really good job at presenting um, the characters and the dynamic between them, right? It's not just the characters on their own that make this show good. It's really the, rel- the relationships uh, that are built over the course of the anime that uh, make it shine. You see the relationship between the characters as people and also as, you know, employees. You know, there is this uh, hierarchical structure, right? And uh, bear with me here, but I kind of feel that in a way... It almost feels like a sitcom. I right? agree. Because there's so many characters and uh, it's an office setting, right? So The office. The it's animation. It's not a realistic portrayal of everyday life, but the way the characters are arranged and the way the roles they fill, it feels very much like a sitcom that I would watch on yeah, yeah. Uh, television. Definitely. Definitely. I agree with the... I agree with the sitcom interpretation, even from the most ridiculous kind of uh, the director Kinoichi uh, Kinoichi Seishi. I think that his that that's his name. Pretty much overreacting to everything, and no. especially when he uh, when someone mentions uh, his failed project, Jiggly Jiggly having. I mean, I had many a laugh when he overreacted oh to that. Oh my god! Guys, can I say something? What? I found I found the best comparison. For a Jiggly Jiggly Heaven. What's that? Jiggly Jiggly Heaven is the Denki guy of Shirobako. Or rather, the, the Denki guy of Galaipa Kaskunai, I suppose, yeah. that you, as you wanted to say. But yeah, it's like uh, Bish goes into this crisis every time uh, Denki guy is mentioned. But yeah, that was a serious train wreck of an episode, guys. That's why we didn't air it. Anyway, so. <laughs> We should make an anime about kunai, you know? <laughs> an anime about kunai. An anime about it, filming it, kunai. No, kunai. An anime about kunai would just involve four guys literally marathoning anime on their computers and then just sitting in front of a computer for four hours talking. It'd be quite boring, to be honest. And me yelling at Kevin that he's the best girl. Shit, sucks. Exactly. I'm sorry, Kevin. You get the short end of the stick. Yep. Yep. That. <laughs> he always gets the short yeah. end of the stick. I mean, you're not too far off either, Tyson. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> okay, so... Oh, wait, sorry, before we move on. Um, mm-hmm. One of the first things I noticed when I watched, especially the first episode, was, uh, and, and it's a recurring trend, is I was like, okay, what the fuck is up with this anime and bad driving? Because it's, it's <laughs> shown in the first episode, you know, with the, the street race, and then it happens over and over and over. And I was like, what is up with this? And um, after a while, I started to think that, you know what, maybe this is some sort of inside joke amongst, like, uh, people in the industry. Maybe, you know, people working in the industry are just uh, have a reputation for rushing to work and stuff. What do you guys think of this? Yeah, and there's that one single rival- rivalry within the company where there are two people racing to get a parking spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but even for like to to 
go from place to place, you know, to pick up cuts and stuff. They always, like, do these crazy Need for Speed style, like, drifts and shit, right? And you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? No, like, real talk, I legitimately thought somebody was going to crash and die. I thought there was going to be a death in the show because of the reckless driving. <laughs> Honestly, I, I wouldn't have been surprised. Well, there was like a, there was a police chase in the very last episode. Oh so. my god! No, that was priceless. You know when um the manager she uh she meets the person at the office. She comes out and there's a, a line <laughs> of officers with the guns drawn. She died. <laughs> Stop! Stop right there! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was um it was quite a thing. But I think that yeah. More than anything, depicts how fast-paced um, this is, and I think they're trying to get some thrills out of it. Although it could be again, this is not this is not supposed to be um, by the book's description of how things work in the anime industry. But I think this I think this shows the creators being conscious that they also are making something that is supposed to entertain the people. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so things like that are definitely exhilarating, are definitely fun to look at. Hmm. Although we can debate about whether about whether they're done correctly or not, but it is a big. But it is something. But, but something that you can't deny is that it was fun watching that. Well, I don't. I certainly hope it isn't something that happens in real life in the industry, or else I think the employee death rate would be much much higher than it actually is. You know. Oh my god. <laughs> Instead of being overworked, they die by by car crash. Oh, that that, that 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 sounds like so morbid right now. The thing is, the anime does get morbid at some some uh, areas, though, right? Yeah, like when it talks about like um like when it kind of symbolizes adulthood, like the times where it's like there are people out, maybe there are people out drinking to kind of like forget about their worries, or there will be there will be people kind of like trying trying to get money to eat. Yeah, I know. Like they're kind of mentioning mentioning that a lot. It's like if you if you don't do well in this job, you don't eat. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think that was the old guy talking to Emma. Um, and it's mostly because the pay for anime is very, very low. It is disgustingly low. In the fact that I think, I think one of the figures that I read is that animators have to draw at least because they, um, they get paid for drawing. I think, I think a I think a thousand cuts a oh day for them to be able to eat. And again, it's absolutely disgusting to to see that how can someone that is so pivotal to the production of anime be treat be paid basically for sleigh labor because it's one of the it's one of the things that I found the most disgusting one of it when I started uh, to research um, the stuff behind the anime industry is that animators are paid very very low and. Even one of the figures said that uh, an anima animators make less than ten thousand a year. Yeah. Like that. It, it, that's at least in the United States. That's less than minimum wage. That's yeah. less than minimum wage. Okay, so the story is divided into two cores. The first core um, has the team at Musani developing an original concept and bringing it to the screen. The second core is them basing off their work off a manga. Any particular thoughts on how the workflow turned out in either of, the, in either of those cores? Is there any core that is your favorite or something? 
I'm answering a lot of questions, but just want to get this ball rolling. I'm actually really glad that you asked that question, you know, whether we prefer the first or second core, because I was about to ask that as well, because they're similar yet different, right? Um, the first core, I think, um, is all, is very fast-paced, right? There's, there, there's always, you know, that pressure and that stress, which is also present in the second core, but I, I think it's a bit uh, more present in the first core because they're literally uh, counting hours here, you know, before the episodes air, and uh, they're on a very, very tight schedule. So there's lots of tension and stuff. Uh but personally, if you were to ask me which one I prefer, I would say I prefer the second core. Uh, because uh, the first core, it was a lot of the focus was on uh, introducing the viewers to the way the industry works, you know, different roles in companies and stuff. And um, I don't find that it's spent as much time on building on character development, you know, the backgrounds and stuff and the relationships. I think most of that... Uh, came with a second core. Don't get me wrong, the first core still had some development, especially for the uh, main characters, uh, particularly Aoi, but you don't get to find out about uh, quite a bit of the other employees, the secondary characters, until the second core. Uh, furthermore, the, the work pace and the work style is also very different, because uh, one thing that you have in the second core, which is really important, that you don't have in the first one, is the presence of the author. And uh, as we all know, the author proved to be a pretty big pain in the ass for the company multiple times. I don't think it was more the author, it was more the editor not telling the author yeah, what they it, had like, to do. Yeah, the editor was intentionally like withholding information from the author. Yeah, yeah. The editor, like, I just want to fucking punch him, to be honest. He is so annoying. He's... <laughs> You're not alone there. Funny story, Kevin. He was Funny he was actually hiding a lot of information. <laughs> Funny story. He's, ah, I just love I just love that he said that all the time. It was so bad. It was just funny. And that moment when he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm busy." He's, he's playing golf, right? And the two other guys are like, "No, no, no, fuck that noise. We're going." And we're gonna fucking get him. And they fucking drive the golf course and drag his ass uh, back to work. You know. Again, this is this is dramatized to the point that it's comedic. This doesn't really happen in the anime industry, although I don't rule out that it can. But let's just take this as a comedic uh, as a comedic take um, on the matter. So, Joe, um, what would you say about the cores? What I have to say about the cores, I can't really choose one over the other, to be honest. Like, they both do different things, and they do it with equal quality. It's like the first one focuses, like, focuses on the original um, animation. Like, making an original animation compared to adapting to a manga. And I just found, like, I was, re I was sweating in my seat when I was seeing, like, everybody struggle to, like, get this together. I'm like, oh, are they going to do this in time? Is it going to end with them not finishing the show? And it's like, it just, it was, I was looking forward to each episode. And the second core, when they were adapting the manga, I really liked the whole, like, plot, the whole subplot involving, like, the author, like, not not hearing a, like the author denying everything and like making them redo everything it was kind of putting stress on the team there too and then when you find out at the end that like a lot of the information wasn't being told to him because of the editor that that's the thing because Musani was more than willing to talk to the author and even the director himself said that I want to make 
an anime that's worth of the uh, that's worth of being of the author's attention. And even the author himself said that he's um, that he's dubious of anime adaptations because he his work was adapted before uh, third aerial third aerial. Squad's girl. I can't pronounce Ariel well, but whatever. It was the one with the racing car. Yeah, thing. the one with the racing car, and it was god awful. And who got the and who got the hate for it? The author. So, the author is more just is justified in his reserves. And even that scene in the penultimate uh, in the next to last episode, in which they're sitting in this dark room, and it's some very nice symbolism. But I just want to um, focus on what was happening there. Is that the the director was on the dark side and the author was on the light, lighter side. It's like a duality in which the director sees one thing but the author sees another. And I thought it was very powerful when I when I first saw that because and more of a metaphor of how the production of Musani about that work is going on because the director is completely treading in the dark. And that, and that is beautifully portrayed by this one scene that say that, hey, I think Ara should be flying. She's fine for her friends. Like all this sheery ending and whatnot. And then and then the author dropped the bomb and said that each character of the of the squad represents a personal problem that I have. And I'm like, it, it, it is not what you think. And I'm like, what? Yeah, that was very... That was very, very deep. I was just like, "What am I? What am I seeing now?" Like, this is suddenly like suddenly has it like a subplot to it. I think, yeah. But, um, but, but the good thing is that uh, Kinoshira managed to um, to it, to make him come over to his side, and I think that they develop a working relationship, even though it was a little bit too late because it was for the last episode. Yeah, for the last episode of the anime that they were working at. To be fair, like they, they kind of made the author look like the big bad guy because he was always changing everything. When like a simple conference, like totally got the like totally got their visions aligned between a director and um, the author. It was because of um, the editor that like they couldn't get anything across and they had to redo everything a bunch of times because they couldn't talk with the author himself. You know, you know what I think is that the author, while he was working, he asked for the editor to give him updates on how the production is going, and then when he, and that's the only time in which he relay information to the ed- to the author, and that's a serious dick move, yeah. a serious dick move, especially when, like like I mentioned before, the animation studio was more than willing to approach the author to get him. To get his full approval on everything that they're doing, the, like the director's implementation of everything, and wow, the epi- the episodes in which they had to scrap everything, yeah. both the uh, both the character designs and the storyboard for the last episode. I just I just hear sitting in my seat. Are you? kidding me yeah i was pissed it, as well. it, like, it, it, it was exhilarating to watch and almost depressing like you're telling me that x hours of work of my life that have that i have been pouring into your work i just had to throw them away yeah Fuck very that. infuriating like it felt really good when the editor got blasted at the end like mm-hmm. i was just sitting in front of my tv when i was watching that episode just slowly rubbing my hands and oh, smiling yes. de- deviously yes mm-hmm. i mean 
that scene is probably one of my favorite scenes because like I mean you start off with two men with you know like Tyson said it's a duality right light and dark and the two guys on opposite ends of the spectrum with completely different visions uh, for the same character right and then in the end they manage to to find the same vision and come to an accord basically and speaking of favorite moments uh, do you guys want to share yours? Before we get into that because We've been focusing on the second on the second core too much, but there's not much talk about the first core. Um, any thoughts that you want to share on that? When I when I saw Seichi in the first core, like he was very very like laid back. Like as the director, he didn't really do much directing, but then like I really liked his I really liked his development as he as he went on. He kind of he developed and became somebody who just decided to slack off and didn't really care about making the show the best it could be and like trying to rush it basically to somebody who really cares about the work and at the end he even felt inspiration like when he was trying to create the end of the show like when he was on that tangent i was looking i was looking at my screen just like how did you think of all of this in a matter of seconds i just found that really really impressive he had one hell of a writer's block. I think it spanned for four episodes or three episodes or, or something like that. And also, and also another disclaimer. In the anime industry of today, there's rarely that many original animes as seeing the storyboards completely original, the stories completely original, unless you are a director or a storyteller of importance. And his last word, the director's last word, failed spectacularly. So I have to wonder why the choice of depicting the original story first and not and, and, and like reversing the course. That, that's one choice I don't get. Speaking of the director, I think I really appreciate him in both cores because he's one of the few secondary characters that gets development uh, both in the first core and the second core. And to be honest, I think I have to disagree with Joe in some points. I don't think that he was ever, you know, lazy and slapping off. I think he's always passionate about anime. I think that's really clear. He loves doing his job and he, he really wants uh, the anime he creates to succeed. Not He doesn't want other, you know... Well, I mean, slacking off in the sense that he kind of procrastinated a bunch of times where, like, he changed stuff last minute. That's more like writer's block, sorry. I mean, he, he was trying to, but he just couldn't get it, you know? I mean, I, I found that the biggest change, from my point of view, that uh, happened with his character was perhaps his confidence and his vision, you know, whereas before he wanted to change things like every two seconds, you know, and th that drove everyone crazy because they didn't want to re restart work and all that. By the end, he has um, a solid vision uh, of what he wants and he's more confident than before. Hold that thought, Kevin, because remember that on the second core, the director was merely adapting an existing work. The first core was he was creating his own. So I think the depiction of writer's block was actually, even though it was comedically exaggerated, it's something that happens to a lot of creators, especially when they have to sit down looking at their storyboard and see, mm -hmm. okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? You have a general idea of what you want to do, but you have no idea how you're going to carry that out. And not also, you have to focus on what do you want to depict to the viewer but also if it's entertaining or not. Yeah, if you don't like your work, it's gonna sh like nobody else is gonna like your work either. Exactly. 
like people like directors like people are trying to create their own show they have to drag that out for 13 episodes and that would be very difficult especially if you have writer's block it's true that you know writing an original uh story is a lot harder than adapting one because when you're adapting one you have a story that's already laid out for you so you don't have to think about the story you just need to think about how you uh adapt that story to a new form of media whereas in the ova when he's creating an ova um he has to think of every single aspect of the show um but moving on from that i think there's one really interesting thing that i noticed that you guys probably noticed too right about the director um and it hit me like a 4 by 4 alright? It was shocking because um, when he's initially portrayed, you have people, like, talking back to him, yelling at him, and he's the fucking director, alright? And before watching Shirabako, you know, uh, I saw directors as, you know, they're really the... Like the top dog? The big guys, you know, in animation. Up, They're up there with uh, producers, right? Who have, like, ultimate control over artistic decisions and stuff. And seeing people, like, talk back to him, question his decisions and stuff. It was really shocking because, I mean, he's the director, right? He's supposed to be in control of everyone. But it's quite the opposite in Shirabako. Did that surprise you guys? What did you guys think of that? It was definitely surprising in the first core. Well, like, I noticed in the second core that people were taking him more seriously. Like, they're, like he, he, was, he was acting more serious and everyone was, like, treating him more like a director because he finally... Like, because because of his growth in the first score, he find like he got his act together a little more, and then he ended up, and now he kind of like knows what he wants to do. Like if you see that if you see them in the second core compared to the first core, they make a lot more progress. Definitely, I, and I agree with that. Mostly people talk back to him because his last project was Jiggly Jiggly Having, and that was received very poorly by by, by everyone. So these people are like. Do you, do you got a project again? Like, are we, are, are we going to mess up spectacularly as Jiggly Jiggly having? And they were, like, hammering in the things that he needed to change. And overall, the development of those bear fruit in the second core, definitely. Although, at least in my perspective, how I, how I saw this, not only from, from a plot point, is that I started to think about how directors what they actually mean in the anime industry like apparently they're not this sort of person that holds everything together that's like a that's like a joint responsibility between the director and the production desk which at that time was uh honda the guy who left in the second court to make cakes i I love honda like he definitely especially in the second court when he's making cakes he just comes in yeah, he just comes in because he just comes in. He's he loses weight too. Like you see him in the second quarter, he's super skinny. He's a changed man. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed. I wanted to see more of him in the second quarter because I really liked him in the first quarter. And honestly, he's one of my favorite characters. You know, I find that um, him the director they're really good characters, and. I like him better than the director, actually, because I found the director to be kind of tropey, you know, with him be- having writer's block all the time and not being taken seriously and people making fun of him for jilly jilly heaven. Whereas, I mean, it's true that Hana does have a few tropes. I, I, He's more relatable, in my opinion, right? Because he generally cares about his work, right? And even goes as far as, you know, locking the director up in the closet 
to make sure that he uh, completes his cuts on time. So it's really his his love for the work um, and the way he expresses it that makes me like him so much. Before we move on the to characters, do you guys want to maybe give your um, maybe like a quick favorite moment from the show as a whole? Every time when the director gets mentioned Jiggly Jiggly having and the frustration that it comes, that was like hilarious. I also I also love um, there was this scene where there was this episode rather when they were doing uh, sound effects that Aoi went to deliver an instrument that they needed for a specific scene and then she got pulled in to do sound effects and I'm like this is how sound effects is actually done and I mean I'm an audio guy but I never dealt with this type of engineering sound that they did in Shirawako so that it, so so that it's new knowledge to me. Like, really? For me, um, I have quite a lot, so I think I'll just go with... Um, okay, I'll, I'll say the end and just about every moment where the entire group is together because I find that the anime really shines when you see this dynamic between the main characters, and I don't think that we have enough moments of the main characters being together, you know, uh, outside of work and just enjoying themselves, right? Um, secondly... The ending, the speech specifically. I really like the, the speech, you know, it, uh, that the director makes uh, when the anime uh, airs, and it really shows. Which, which of the two? It's it, the speech, like on the very last episode. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. it, it really wraps up the series as a whole, and it also shows just just how much uh, that the, his character has developed since episode one. It, there's also a third layer, actually, that I think is it's kind of uh, the the people making this anime trying to you know speak directly to the viewer. You know, they're like, look, this is how um, the industry works. We are people who are passionate. We love making anime, and we hope you enjoy it. Right. So it's really uh, a direct message from uh, the studio to the viewer, which I found was really cool. That, yeah, I really like those moments, but like I'd have to say my. Uh my fi- my favorite moment personally was um i think it was the second to last episode or the third to last episode it was um it was when the director was going to see the author of the manga the, the, that was great that was great as well yeah when he's dressed when he dresses up as a cowboy he just walks in and just destroys three of the <laughs> three of the um higher ups u- using like parodied street fighter moves that's something that Hadu Belly, sure you Belly. <laughs> that that's something the bitch mentioned, but it eluded me the the reference to Street Fighter, and all I could think about while watching that scene is that this seems to be a reference to something, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's a particular character. Um, I know what he looks like. Uh, his name is slipping me though. All right, well, I can get get back to this later. But he's the guy, the fat guy in the yellow uh, jumpsuit. You guys know what I'm talking about? What's his name? Uh, I don't know. The, the fat guy in the yellow suit? Yeah, yeah, the guy in Street Fighter 4. That's really fat. I know who you're talking about, but I don't remember his name Are now. you talking about know. Ryu? He's not fat. He's... No, big, no, no, no. I know I know what he's talking about, no, but no, I don't no, remember no, no, the no, name no. of the character. Rufus! There we go. Rufus. Rufus. There you go. Rufus. That's his name. The guy with a huge um, beard gut. There you go. And the move that he pulls on the uh, the final guy—that's oh, 
that when he bounces uh, the guy off his belly, that's one of the moves uh, of Rufus in Street Fighter 4. So it was a nice nod right there. There's a lot of references in this anime to other stuff. Um, probably- My favorite reference, Neon Generation Avangelion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, and there's also reference to other studios. For instance, like uh, like the car for, in the in the car chases. Um, the other car belongs to a company aptly, aptly called GI Staff. I wonder who they're referencing. And even the, even Musashino Animation could be interpreted as a reference to Kyoto Animation. And there's this uh, dreamscape sequence. I think it's in episode 11 when Aoi is having trouble delivering the key, uh, the, the key animation um, to competent people. That there's a lot of reference to other animation studios. Even even Sunrise got a mention. I think it was called Sun Up in that instance. I would also like to add to my favorite moments is uh, besides the Kinoshita being annoyed by all the jiggly jiggly having mentions there's this one episode i can't recall the number now but you remember the chief animators of the first core that go back it goes back to do key animation the the goth lolita girl oh i know what you're talking about yeah um it's osagawa ogasawara that's her name um yeah rinko ogasawara so it was after the episode in which uh, the character designs are rejected, and you see, and you see the other girl who's in charge of doing the character animation, saying that um, they get, that, that she needed to get up, and then Ogasawara took her to the to a baseball field, and I thought that was so enlightening about how creators are sensitive about their about their creations, and I mean, I have felt that myself, but to see this. As a universal sentiment among all creators, I never thought of it. I never thought of it that way. Also, um, I do have more, but I do have more favorite moments. But I'm gonna limit my choice to one more. There's this scene in which um, Aoi is uh, goes with the president of, Musa- of Musani to their old headquarters where Andes Shoki was made, and get this view of how anime was done in the 70s and the 80s that was wow it was just mind-blowing really mind-blowing i have to agree with you there like it was not only was it touching it was really nice to get an insight on how anime was made back in the day right because you know especially my generation newer anime viewers uh, we didn't really see the older anime when it was aired we usually see reruns and as such we weren't familiar with the industry back then and it was really nice to see uh, the newer generation of animators, you know, and content creators uh, giving a nod to uh, previous generations. And it's just the flashback specifically in that episode was was awesome. I think it was, it was probably one of the most touching moments in the, in the show. Yeah, it made me very happy just watching that. And even the uh, the ending song for that particular episode, it was basically the introduction to Anis Shucky, even modeled just like how anime was made in the 70s. 70s and the 80s. Um, wow. I, do, I just have to think of how computers have changed almost everything. I can't even begin to imagine how much work you would have to do back in those days to get a bit to getting anime out. 
because we're talking about cells. You have to paint them by hand. I mean, it, it, just trying to wrap my mind around that. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's just crazy. But, but, but again, I'm from a newer generation of anime watchers, so... Yeah. So, like, I mean, just the workload uh, in the modern industry is already infamously high, right? So to picture people doing even more work back in the day, and all by hand without, you know, assistance with uh, from computers or other digital programs is just, just mind-boggling, right? Like, it's like, how did those people do it back then? Right now, if you if you mess a drawing on the computer, you just can't erase a line and then redo it all again. In that day, if you mess up a cell, you have to repaint it all over again. I think it's like, I think those guys come close to the definition of perfection because you have to do everything almost perfectly to to get it right. Yes, indeed. I do have more favorite moments, but I'm gonna limit myself to just those three. Let's move on to characters. Um, we've been talking a lot about Aoi, but um, and the director, and the director, but um, we're probably not gonna touch on the director, but let's touch on the main characters. Um, let's start. Let's start with Aoi to get to get her out of the way. Um, as a character, how did how you guys feel about her? She was um, hmm. Let me know to describe. She she definitely had her charm. I gotta give her that. It was nice seeing. It was nice seeing her just move around and like be everyone, like thanking them for the hard work. And it's. It was just very nice. It was nice, like, just seeing her move around. Like, she felt very normal. She just felt like her usual, um... What was her role again? It was, like... Uh, production assistant in yeah, the first quarter. Like, production and assistant, production. production desk. Yeah. Yeah, like, she, she, she did pretty much normal stuff for a director. Yeah, I liked her, basically. Overall, she was, like, she was pretty nice. Yeah, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, I think that... She's not a bad character. Uh, I don't think that she really appealed to me. To be honest, she wasn't uh, really relatable to me as a person. She was really normal, all right? Um, yeah, like, she didn't stand out, yeah. like, as much as a lot of the other characters. Yeah, I've, what I noticed about this anime is that, you know, uh, usually in your sitcoms uh, and your typical slice of life anime, the characters always have this one uh, core defining trait that, you know, makes them relatable to the viewer. Whereas uh, Aoi, she's very much normal. And I think it's really intentional, right? She's not supposed to be super eccentric, you know? She's supposed to be... She's supposed um, to be the character that kind of... Yeah. She's supposed to be, like, the viewer's quote-unquote perspective. If you know what yeah, I mean, so like she, so you can experience the rest of the world. Yeah, I think she's a quote normal on purpose, so you know the viewers get a good uh, perspective on what you know everyday life is in the industry and what work is like. You know, um, but like I said, she's not uh, a bad character, but I want she say that she's like my favorite character, and she's not the best protagonist uh, in my opinion. Yeah, like. There, there are definitely times where, like, I wish you could have improved, or, like, I wish I could have seen, like, more of her, of her backstory, because all I know about her is that she has a sister. But, like, I guess, I guess it's fine that, like, I guess it's fine, like, the character was like this, and, like, it's, like, it's for a typical main character, it's fine, you know what I'm saying. I mean, one th small gripe I have about this is that, um... There is character development, don't get me wrong, in this anime, but you don't get much backstory. Most of the characters are developed in the present. You don't get much insight on their past, unfortunately. And that, 
I think is a pretty big crutch when it comes to making someone relatable. You know, uh, when you understand their past, you you get to uh, understand. To be honest, I disagree with that assessment because their pasts are not important. Um, and you and you can already relate to the characters. It's possible to relate to the characters just by watching the dynamic between the main characters. At least in the at least in the case of Aoi, um, she was left as a blank slate. I think on purpose. When when I mentioned like this overlapping story amidst all the industry craziness that happens, there's a really human story about how these girls want to get together and make anime someday as professionals. But throughout the whole anime, there's a lot of soul searching between the main characters and what they want to do. Yeah. And at least the other four girls have found their calling, but Aoi, I think. She didn't change much. She did. She didn't. She didn't. Even when I watched it through the second time, I think that was put in there on purpose. Like they want, at least the writers want Aoi to be this character that the audience can completely relate to. And of course, you can be, you can also um, relate to some of the other characters' struggles and whatever and whatever. But I feel that this was deliberate. As for Aoi, I really have no major comment to say about her than that <laughs> to be honest yeah yeah i really don't i kind of have to disagree with you to some extent uh tyson because i do find that backstory is important because for example one of the few characters that do that does have a backstory is um the character designer right uh the person in the gothic lolita clothing right and if you didn't know about her, her backstory and you know why she dresses like she dresses and stuff I don't think that you'd appreciate her character as, mu as much as you did because if you didn't have her backstory as far as you're concerned she's just this ec eccentric antisocial artist right? And yeah like I, when I saw her the first time I found it really weird how she was very like hmm. she was very mysterious that, like very yeah. very um like she don't give a fuck about anything yeah know? and I find that my perspective, my, my opinion on her character changed after seeing her backstory and see, you know, seeing why uh, she does what she does and why she so fiercely defends uh, the newer uh, character designer. Well, I feel that at least on her case, it was necessary to explain her backstory. But as far as the main characters go, I really don't think that... Um, that explaining her, their backstories would make it any more relatable or less relatable than they already are. Well, the same thing happened with um, Hiroka. Like, Daisuke Hiroka, the guy that was that was basically a douche for the... But, it, but, it, but, 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 but basically, you're making backstory plot point here. Um, both with the, with the character and Hiroka uh, being this sort of idealist, just in the same caliber as Aoi and, and, and the rest of the girls. Well, I mean, I'm kind of going, I'm kind of like um, elaborating on Kevin's point where like the backstory changes the character if they have it. It's like he, Hiroka was very, was very, very like, he was, he was very antisocial. He wasn't interacting with everyone. He th like, he was basically looking down on everybody in the company. And then like when I, when he was out drinking with, um, with yeah with Taro he, then he was talking about how like he he used to be like very like very enthusiastic about making making anime 
and then but like his co-workers always shun him so like since then he like he always had the mindset that anime is only made only made to be done mm-hmm. like that's a good example because bef- beforehand you just see this guy who acts like a douche right and you know it ties into i think the uh biggest point here is like do you think that uh the the backstory with the five main protagonists, you know, with the promise they made in high school. If you cut that out and you just start the anime with Aoi starting in a production company, it wouldn't be the same because you wouldn't understand why she decided to become uh, a production assistant and why she wanted to work in the industry. Without that backstory, you don't fully understand the characters and their motivations, you know? What I'm trying to argue is that that amount of backstory is just enough for me. Trying to bring up the backstory of different characters during um, Hiraoka, the character designer, and even and even some of the characters I can't quite remember now. I think that again, I think the example that, that doesn't count because it was needed to progress the story to make uh, to make people like okay, so these are her motivation for doing what she does. But what I'm trying to argue about is that that tidbit of back of uh, uh, backstory in the first episode, at least for me, it was enough. Yeah, but my point is, it's still nonetheless necessary, right? I mean, I just found that there are a lot of characters, uh, especially the secondary ones, who were just like, oh, okay, this person fills in this role, that's it. You just take it from there, you know, and you don't really get to know them. You know them as, you know, just... A manager or you know an employee you don't get to know them as a person which doesn't make you care for them as much as some of the uh, main characters you know for example in tiger and bunny what i think they did really well was the backstories of the characters right the, like most of the side characters had their own episode and it kind of gives you a bit of insight on their personality and while i understand here that it's not possible with shirbako because there's such a huge cast i think i've liked um a bit more backstory on some of the characters you know because i don't think they were uh not not all the characters got the same amount of depth in my opinion unfortunately even among the main characters i'd argue that aoi had the most attention now even though the other four are still relatively important. I agree to disagree here. Anyway, let's let's just jump to Emma Yasuhira, the animator. What do you guys think about her? I I liked her. She like I really don't know what else to say about her. Like I can't I don't want to I don't like to say I hated her because I really enjoyed her character. It's just like like she like she had like some some small like story stuff where like how. She she was really struggling, like she was trying to find herself, like with like a couple of the other girls, like she was trying to find herself as somebody who likes to draw, who who draws key animation. And like at first she was really like at one point she was really struggling, and then she she kind of just ended up going with the flow, and at by the end she overcame that obstacle that like prevented her from being the best at what she does. Um, for me, I find that she was a pretty nice character, and I, I could relate to her, and I think a lot of people can relate to her uh, to a certain extent, because, I mean, she's she's sort of a cliche character, but at the same time, she's relatable nonetheless, because she's, you know, she's kind of insecure, she doesn't know uh, what she wants, she isn't quite confident in her abilities yet, right? So she, know that she, she knows that she likes uh, drawing and being uh, a key animator, but she doesn't know if she's ready for all that responsibility, and she doesn't know if she's really ready to, you know, to do her job correctly. So it's really this insecurity uh, that makes her relatable to a, 
a large number of people, you know? So she's timid, but yet at the same time she is determined. There's not much else to say about her, to be honest. Well, for me at least. And you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. And so let's so, so let's move to Midori. Diesel Shang. Mm, I don't actually don't know what to say about her. It's like she wasn't. She, if she's the scenario writer, um, just in case you don't know who she is, the one who has a ponytail on the side. To be honest, the fact I can't really recall much about her kind of really says some things. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's cruel. That's cruel. You know I mean, no, like. No, I love I love Midori in the show. It's just that, like I can't remember exactly like what she what she con- like con- contributes to the show. Uh, she does research. So basically, uh, in the first course, she doesn't do too too much. Uh, I'll get to that later about one of my gripes about the show. But uh, she does she makes more appearances in the second half of the show, where she uh, initially does does some research for uh, Aoi. I think the main reason she got her Diesel. Nicknames because she was doing research on uh, diesel trains for Ali, right? And then no, I definitely remember her in the second core. Like I definitely remember her being nicknamed um, Di- um Diesel Diesel Chan Diesel Son, or I don't know how that formality works. And like how she did all this different research on like um because like they were making they're trying to animate aircrafts, so she kind of needed to do research. I can't blame you for not remember, remembering her in the first core, though, because she doesn't do all that much in the first core, uh, compared to some of the other main characters. It's, it's really in the second core that she really shines, to be honest. Not that I disagree, but more coming to the realization that you actually make a good point. Um, I really don't know how to, how to contest that. Oh my god. Holy shit! This Justin Tyson does not object to my opinion. Oh my god, <laughs> Tyson, Senpai has noticed me. Kevin, your your best girl sucks. Wow, that was a big comeback. I don't have one. It's a good thing I don't have one. Then eh? eh? <laughs> anyway, let's move on to Misa. Misa Toto, the the 3D animator. Oh, I definitely remember her. Like she was um. Okay, you know what? I, I, I might have lied. M- maybe this is sort of my um best girl for this uh, anime but not not really but yeah continue wait wait what <laughs> no no you don't no too bad you didn't listen all right let's continue too late too late Tyson you you missed your shot but anyway like she she was the um she she was in CG wasn't she yeah CG yeah like she was ma- she was basically making tires for a living and like she didn't really like it so she kind of like jumped around and like like she started out making just like solely making animating tires which she didn't really enjoy so she ended up moving to a smaller company that um that still does still helps with making like car parts and stuff like that including tires but they actually it, like the it actually contributes to like a story i personally think that uh her realization that she didn't want to do tires for a living and that company that she worked at only got tire job was actually quite gutsy and i think this is one of the characters that fi- uh, that in a way finds herself first out of the uh, out of the whole main cast as to what she wants to do and everything so i definitely have some sort of admiration for her even though in the second core she's she became this completely forgettable character i only remember her because she quit her job and the reasons why she did that honestly yeah i would argue that um she's more forgettable than diesel chong 
but there but, but there's a but there's a little bit of bias there but there's a little bit of bias <laughs> oh wait wait does that mean that it doesn't mean that diesel sean is your best girl because you said that she wasn't wait um kevin check does she have blue hair is that a really dark blue or is it this black it's purple it's purple i would i would think that uh, Misa would be his favorite character, you know, because short hair, right? That's one of the criteria that's uh, filled, but there are... That's how wrong you are about me. Not all my girls have blue hair, short hair, gums, or all three together. I have empirical evidence that supports that, okay? We can... we can <laughs> screw, screw your empirical evidence. Fuck your empirical evidence. She doesn't have blue hair, but she has short hair. She has... Oh, she, always, she doesn't she have a cross dresser. Shirt. That's the main problem. But... <laughs> Um, <laughs> hey, we don't we don't know. Hey, it was we we don't know if um if that's a boy or a girl. Let's, let's just Kevin, you just mad that Marika just fell off the top three in Misakoi favorite characters. You just mad. But um, I think I know one of the main reasons why Misa isn't Tyson's uh, favorite character, and that's because I noted that I I think she has really cute design, but she she looks like. Yozora's older sister, if she, if Yozora had an older sister, right? Just the short hair and the eyes, I don't know why. Something made me think of Yozora. Yeah, no, no. there's nothing related. There's nothing related. Misa is actually no, no, nice. No, in terms of, of yes, appearance. Yes. appearance. <laughs> I'm not saying yes. in terms of personality. I'm saying in terms of appearance. She reminded me of Yozora. Okay, since so you guys want to have the discussion now, um, I want to keep it as short as possible. My favorite... Well, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. We forgot about Shizuka. Huh? Shizuka. Oh, the, oh yeah, the voice the voice actress. Yeah, let's go. How dare you? How dare you forget about the like the most impactful what? girl? <laughs> Dude, she only gets a job <laughs> the last episode. <laughs> you don't understand. Oh, well, you guys, know how much she's been dealing with. Joe, she Joe was made denied it very clear. over and over again, and okay, she, she still kept the smile. Okay, making it very clear who his best character is. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Since Joe is passionate passionate about Shizuka, let's. Let him start. It's like I really, she's she's very admirable. I think she's the most admirable of um, all five. And I'm not I'm saying that like with a serious expression because like even though she was denied multiple times when she very clearly had a chance, she always like she kept going. Like she didn't kind of just give up and like oh, I don't want to do this anymore. She kind of just kept going, hoping like she would get accepted someday. Which I really, really liked about her character, and she—I always saw her with a smile. Like I almost always saw her like very happy, which which made me feel good. Honestly, I don't know how I feel about Shizuka's constant uh, glum scenes, as to oh my god, I got rejected, and she got like really confused and doubtful about her craft, and. I wouldn't say she because she's my best girl, but I have, I obviously have my eye on her for obvious reasons. She's a voice actress. I know I deal with audio, so she. So this character is the prime candidate of being used to explain things that I don't quite understand about all the production and everything. But in my case, that in my case, I'm interested in her more on a technical perspective of storytelling as to what they can do with her. But honestly, I didn't care about her being constantly glum in, the, in some scenes. Like, I feel an audition. What What am I going to do now? And I, I, I don't know. You know what? Like, I'll just say my gripe now about the anime. Um, like you said, Tyson, I find that 
Shizuka, she's she's not forgettable. I, I found that the glum scenes, you know, they they had their role, they had their part to play in the anime. It's just we don't see her too often. Um, and I I'll, I'll get into my point here. My main gripe with this anime is this inconsistency with the quote unquote main characters because it seems to me that you know obviously um Aoi is the protagonist right so obviously the story revolves around her primarily anyway but since uh the, the group of friends don't all work at the same place in the beginning and they all have their own paths you don't see as much of the other characters compared to Aoi and Emma because they work in the same studio you see um, them the most. The three other ones, they they, sh- they pop up from time to time, and it's just like when they're, when they're not on screen, you have a tendency to just forget about them. You know, when they pop back on, it's like, oh yeah, that's I remember. There's this character. She's she's an anime, right? Totally didn't mm. forget about her. You know, I can see where you're coming from here. I can uh, I can see it, but if anything, it's a it's a it's a depiction of how um, like for instance, anime studios don't. Uh, they don't hire voice actors in-house to make it to do all the productions directly. They submit their roles to auditions and make it, and everything. So, although this kind of critique could it could also go like, for instance, why didn't Misa apply to have a job at Musani? Because Musani does have a 3D division, mm-hmm. or maybe she was just looking for the experience to get to get her started, or maybe the CG division of Musani didn't have any sort of um, space open for her to be to jump in. I think it was Diesel. Well, remember, she didn't have much experience, so like because she was still new to. But the then thing. again, none of them did. No, the, then again, none of them are. Um, so I think Diesel Shang slip in and it was by pure coincidence really um that, that, that she got that she got a job as a scenario writer at the at musani but yeah for for shizuka like for shizuka and um what's her face diesel you can understand why they don't get too much screen silence because you know um diesel is the college student right uh so she, she can't work uh in the studios whereas uh misa oh no sorry um what's her face uh, Zuka, there you go. She's Zuka. She is a voice actress. So obviously, as Tyson said, you can't work in studio. It's a completely different thing. But in spite of that, I still find it disappointing that we don't get the same amount of screen time for all the characters. Because, you know, they, they could be interesting and they do get some development. It's just, it's not equally balanced between all the characters. And that's what kind of um, kills... Uh, the characters for me, you know, some of them I'm like, oh yeah, I I quite like this character, and some of them it's just like uh, don't really give a shit about them. Mm, I see. Any comment on the secondary characters, and I will start. I fucking hate Taro. I yes, fucking hate him. Yes, he's Tyson. He is the shoe of fucking Shirobako, right? He's just there as a punching bag for jokes, and he's fucking annoying. All right. I don't mind him, him being the punching bag, but I mind him being fucking annoying. He's more he's more interesting than Shu, though. Let's just be yeah, honest. Yeah, but still, I... It's like, god damn it, you don't know how frustrating it is to see him and, um... What's-his-face? Mr. I'll-be-a-dick-to-everyone. 
Hiroka? Is that... No, like, the thing with Shu is that he was a pattern. Taru, at least, like, even though he like, still kept that big ego, he alternated between, like, different things. Where with Shu, all I remember is him making a, a weird face and then getting, uh, like, destroyed by uh, Miyamoto. But at least that's my coming on Taro. Um, let's see, other uh, secondary or tertiary characters that I... Um, let's see... That you enjoyed? Yeah, yeah, enjoy. What about, enjoy. Um, what about Sugi? Suji? The, the, the old animator? Yeah, the old animator. Um, about him, um, I really, do, I really don't have comment. He was very sweet. He is, but I don't have any sort of comment that I could otherwise expand on among him. I do, yeah. think, I do, I do clearly remember Taro annoying me. Hiraoka, it was like by the end of the anime, I don't know if he returned to his idealist self or he's still not giving a shit. I find him so annoying. I'm surprised that you're more or less apathetic from, anyways, from what I see towards him because. <laughs> Hiroka to Shibako is like Yozura to Haganai, and that Hiroka is just this person that doesn't give a shit about what anyone thinks. He doesn't really give a shit about, you know, handing stuff on time. He acts like he's all that just because, you know, he has a bit more experience than Aoi. And he's he's sexed as well, you know, when he insults Diesel in episode 20, and he's like, oh yeah, it must be nice to be a woman, right? So he's, oh, he's yeah. like this pouty little bitch. Um, that, like Yozura, you know, you find out his background and you see why he is the way he is, but in spite, like, I mean, e- even... Here's, here's the thing, and I'm sorry about this, Bish, but, um, um, Hiroka's backstory was actually good. It was actually very, it was actually impactful. What? <laughs> mm, uh, I don't agree, to be honest. But, like, real talk, though, I actually did like Yozura's backstory. Like, it made her like her a little, make me like her a little more. So that's why he would get annoyed. Even although Bish, when he was here, he would be wrecking you for those yeah. comments. Uh, Bish, whatever <laughs> you are, get better. Yeah. So about uh, Hiroka's backstory is that that was inherently clear that he's just as idealist as Aoi about making anime, mm-hmm. and he even he even had higher ambition. He wanted to win awards for shows that he was um, he was part of the production crew, but then. He's depicted as this character who, like, oh, the world is so glum and everything sucks, something like that. Um, but don't get me wrong, I absolutely hated him on my first rung of the Oshirobako. But then I sort of excuse his he moment. He opened up to you a little bit. So, sort of, yeah. And I know that sounds incredibly wrong, but... Oh, <laughs> God, God damn it, guys, Why? Why? <laughs> Don't put that image in my head. God damn it. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. I'm, I'm glad I zoned out there for a few seconds. Oh, another character that I hate. Who's this little girl that um, that always pesters Emma during the second core? That she's a key animator. Oh, the, the super like insecure girl with short hair. The ultra shy girl. I don't. I didn't really give a shit about her. I fucking hate her. She's oh, like, a, hang on, hang on. You fucking hypocrite, Tyson. So you hate wha- her. Wha- no, you hate her, but you're completely okay with Aichan because you know he's Aichan. You fucking hypocrite. Hang on, because Aichan, at least he's not crippled by the thought of talking to people. I'm like this woman, okay? 
Okay, well, well, that's kind of mean because what if she's just really nervous? You can't, no, you know, no. judge yeah, someone the, for being. Guys, the character we're talking about is Ai Kunogi. Yeah, from Ai Free. Like the guy with gray hair that is always like, Senpai, Senpai, no, it's me, Senpai. Is like fucking. What? What? No, she has brown hair. No, no, we're talking about um, Aichan. Oh. No, hang on, because it's one thing to say Senpai noticed me, and another is just make, making all these sort of guttural sounds like, ah! Oh! Ah! Yeah. Oh! No, no, but like, that, that, that's, that's, who, that's that who she is. That annoyed me less than Aichan, because like, he was just, he's repeating the same stupid trope over and over and over, and it was like driving, and he did it in that super high-pitched voice as well, which was really annoying. You know, I like so, how one I mean, of the only times that Kenogi actually speaks is when she's reading, when like, underwear. she's like, <laughs> is <Yeah>. this <laughs> underwear? Oh my god. <laughs> she only speaks for that, and no. Just yeah. no. It's it's just amazing. I love her so much. How about the prez, the president? Um, any comments on that guy? Oh man, if you hate him, I'll never talk to you again. Prez, I just love what we know when he, he has a conference meeting, right? And he he ends it with some sort of weird pose or something. And after everyone just like take off. There's, there's a there's a pause, and after there's like there's a slow clap, you know. <laughs> That was supposed to be depicted in the anime they were producing. Apparently it's a line. Ah, uh, okay. And also the president, he's the kind of guy, and this is my only calling on him to be to be honest, he's the kind of guy whose cooking I would like to taste. <laughs> because he always spends his time cooking. No, you don't see like, him doing you don't see him like being the president. You don't see him like hand, like doing paperwork. No, you he's only like see that very either, nice grandpa who never stops yeah. feeding you. If you recall the episode in which he and Aoi go over to the old Musa, uh, Musashino pictures, and you see this flashback as to how work was was in there, I think I kind of understood a little bit better that grandpa uh, <laughs> stuff that he does. He, he was always taking care of everybody, and um, and of course, like he's the president, he's supposed he's. He takes care more of the managerial side rather than the creative stuff. He's the kind of person that would go into meetings to pitch his studio for a new project for, so he can hand over to his creative staff, something like that. You never really see him doing his job as a president, though. Like, you could replace his title um, from president and you can make it cook, and literally nothing would change, you know? Because that's all he does. He either cooks or he, um, he leads meetings. That's like the two things he does. No, but 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 if we do that, um, we we are also we are taking uh, Shirobako at face value as a as a story because every animation studio has a president, and every of those presidents do managerial jobs. Like, for instance, uh, the both the president, the uh, the uh, the general manager, the, the 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 lady who ends up running to deliver the last episode to some studio, remote studio, whatever. And the executive, and the executive producer, those those people always do managerial jobs somehow, with the maybe exception of the executive director, executive producer rather, that he's sort of in touch with the managerial side and the creative side of things. Um, so, before removing uh, the the president from from his spot, it's just like um, managing an anime studio. Isn't exciting to watch at all. So, 
I understand why they didn't give focus into that, but I also disagree on removing his character entirely. Uh, I would like to remove him. It's just like, I, I just found it weird that you never see him doing work as a president, right? He, he always cooks or sometimes does awkward poses after I'd say after it meetings. adds to the charm of the show. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of like yeah. you expect the, the president to be very serious, but like he just kind of lightens everyone up and keeps their spirits high. Which are, like, I've never seen him like, like frown. Yeah. Besides yeah. that one, besides that one um scene when Yano gets a call that her father's like is, is feeling really ill at the hospital. Mm. I mean, I think it's also an element that um kind of. Oh, and even then, it's like he makes a lunch so that she can eat it on the way to, on the way to the hospital. I, I think that. The, the president not really doing his job as the president kind of is related to what they did with the director, you know, him not having complete control over his crew and his cast. It, it kind of makes everyone uh, on the same level, you know, so there's this camaraderie amongst all the employees in the company and so this hierarchical structure that you typically see in uh, normal businesses. They mm -hmm. have to. They have to keep that, uh, that, that business environment working. Yeah, if they're making they're making an anime, like you can't real, you can't exactly take a break. You kind of gotta keep going. It's like when uh, when Hiroka and this uh, and the one who's in charge of cleaning up the director's storyboards get into a fight. Um, you know how the general manager came came in like don't resolve this with violence, fostering and animosity, violence in the working environment doesn't do too much for creativity. It, it actually kills it. Yeah. Um, are there any other supporting characters or like main characters you want to talk about before we move on? Mm, not um, me. I, I think we, we covered much all the notable ones anyway. The other ones are just kind of they're there. They're not particularly notable or uh, really important to be completely honest with you. Yeah. So let's hop into audio visual. Any comments on any aspect of the audio in, in the show? Well, does this include the openings and endings? Yeah, let's go into that. Oh my god, you guys don't know how much I love the second ending. Like, the ending from the second core. Naluna, Luna, Naluna, Luna. I love that one. Oh my, it was, it was so colorful, it was sounded so beady, if that make if that, you can say that. It sounded, it just made me feel really upbeat and happy and sweet, and like, my heart just melted. Hmm. Well, it is a song made by the five girls, the the five boys, uh, boys actresses, Donut Quartet. Yeah, and um, I really liked. Um, I don't know if I can talk about this in the audio portion, but the when the end when they were like in, like in the ending song when they were also kind of coloring in, like drawing and coloring in the characters in the ending, like I found that really really cool. It's basically a time lapse of how uh, characters are colored and put into backgrounds and everything. Yeah, it's a very nice touch. The animation uh, and the opening and endings are, it's pretty standard across the board. Well, I mean, sorry, it's really consistent across the board and it's really, uh, really nice. It's high quality. I also, like Joe said, like the fact that some of the, the frames weren't colored in. It kind of uh, reminds you of the subject of the show, right? Of, you know, the making uh, of uh, anime. Uh, in terms of songs though i find that they were all pretty decent and none of them are great i wouldn't save these songs on my phone or something just listen to them well i wouldn't save these songs on the first core like i, I the first core songs were all right but like when we got to the when we got to the second core i really enjoyed the opening and ending for those so i probably listened to those on my own time 
I actually found that the first opening was pretty nice. The second ending was okay for me. I didn't like it that much. I mean, it was like a typical upbeat um, slice of the life ending, in my opinion. I, then, then again, I am more into um, orchestral pieces, so I might have a slight bias there. Well, I definitely agree with Joe that I at least it, that I also like the uh, the, se the second core ending. Especially with with the details of these characters just being drawn, painted in, and put in, and placed into the background, and everything that that was a nice touch. And uh, as for the actual song, yes, I do have it on my phone. I love that song. Oh, the second and ending. The second ending, yes. Oh God, it's it's like Persona 4 all over again. He's gonna listen to nothing but that for the next like five months. Oh my God, <laughs> and you may be actually right. I would also have to agree with you, like with who. Um, with you, Kevin. Sorry. Oh, okay. Is that I find the uh, the intro and outros for both to be decent. They are consistent because they're really upbeat themes. Although this may have more to do with a message that the creators were trying to deliver about the anime industry, about being optimistic and everything, and they needed the kind of this upbeat music to reflect that. And I recall at one occasion, the second opening, kind of driving me to tears. When I watched it for the second time, I, all I could think about was the scene when Aoi um, got everyone reunited together to do a show, and she started crying. And for some reason, when I started to see the, the Jets coming with all the five characters in it, just kind of, it's kind of like a, a little tear just slipping through my eye. I kind of get sentimental about this stuff. You know, there were many times where I... There were, there were a lot of times during the show, the opening and endings, where I could have just cried, but I had to hold it all in. As for the rest of the score, it's... Um, it wasn't really notable, in my opinion. Honestly, it's like, um, we've been pretty much spoiled by the orchestral scores of Attack on Titan and Black and Blast of Tempest to say, like, there's nothing like that. Well, except for me. Un unfortunately, it, like, I think that... Blast of, Blast of Tempest and Attack on Titan are kind of like it's the the golden standard uh, in which I will compare all future anime now, unfortunately, and it's unfortunate because both of those anime uh, have very orchestral scores, right? So we, I personally think that I'm kind of biased now towards uh, a score that's not uh, orchestral because I find that those scores uh, are usually the ones that are the best at conveying emotion. But you know, uh, we may have another anime in the future that might change my opinion, but I found that. The, the OST in this anime was it was all right. I mean, it was run of the mill. It wasn't notable, to be honest. It was just there, and it did its job. That's all I can say. It isn't exactly forgettable, but it's not something like you would order the uh, the OST from Amazon or something or yeah, somewhere yeah, else. Exactly, it gets the job done, right? What What do you guys think of the voice acting? I adored the voice acting. I found it was good. It was solid. Yeah, it was a nice, solid voice acting. It's really hard for me to judge voice acting in the show when it kind of also, since it's a show about making anime, it kind of focuses on making dubs too. So there are going to be different voices. Uh, for the voices, I don't have much to say. I mean, it's, I'd say it's like an 8 out of 10, so it's, it's slightly above average. Um, but it's not something that struck me. There's not like, you know, a moment where I said, you know what, whoa, this, this voice actor did a really good job of uh, portraying this character, you know? It doesn't strike me, but it's good. It's solid. I, I agree. I'd give it like a solid 8, maybe an 8.5, like slightly above average. Yeah, I would, be, I would also agree with that assessment. Let's go into our styling animation. Comments? Ooh, yes. Um, Ooh, the discussion begins. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, 
I think that the animation is, it's like, it's like a baby's skin. It's buttery smooth, you know? It's just so nice and fluid. And You're a little too into this, Kevin. Also <laughs> if you guys could see Kevin's face right now, he's having an orgasm, like, Yeah, no, this guy's, this. like, closing his okay, eyes and well, imagining well, himself in well, heaven. Guys, guys, TMI, you don't need that uh, in the listeners in, um, head. They don't want that image. <laughs> well, first of all, this is an audio-only podcast, so, Yeah. And they don't know what my face looks like, so they just picture Phi, you know? So that's even more awkward. <laughs> so uh, anyway, having an orgasm. <laughs> oh, you're... Go- we don't need to discuss Rule 34 for uh, Virtue's Last Word. But anyways, um, I found that the, the art style is pretty nice. And what I noticed is that... Um, I don't know if you guys noticed it while watching, but there's a difference. There are two main different art styles that are being used here. Uh, there's one art style that's being used for um, the main characters, specifically the, the younger ones, actually. Well, there's, like, CG uh, animation look, and uh, key animation. Like, 3D and 2D. Yeah. They're, they weren't drawn 3D, but they follow the newer anime style, you know? Whereas the adults, particularly, you know, the president and stuff, um, those characters are drawn, uh, in my opinion, w- um, along the lines of older art styles that was used in, like, uh, you know, the 1990s and 80s. Uh, so that's something I noticed, you know? That's something that they probably used, did intentionally to separate the older generation of animators uh, and um, artists from the newer generation, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. I really liked how they tackled, um, like, the different animation styles in that, where, like, they talked about key animation, where it's, like, drawing, like, the different, drawing the different characters and, like, making a bunch of, um, like, maybe, like, a flipbook of sorts. And, like, when they talked about CG, which was more, like, the 3D animation, like, rendering, rendering everything, smoothing everything out, like, making everything roam around in a 3D space while also implementing the... It's like in, like you can kind of collaborate that with the key animation, which is the two D two D art. Like it kind of transitions from three D to two D, and I really like how the characters kind of work it out. And you see it a lot in a bunch of different shows, and they'll bring it up. They brought up a lot in a bunch of bunch of animes and a bunch of different shows I've seen, where like sometimes they'll show three D animation to maybe like portray different action scenes. And then they'll transition to 2D, which kind of focuses like on the ki- like focuses on the characters, and then it'll kind of like transition between 2D and 3D, and then it'll kind of maybe sometimes it'll focus on one thing and sometimes focus on the other, like mostly compared to to the other one. And yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, specifically about um, the 3D CGI that's used, I think that uh, this is one of the few anime that does it very well because yeah. honestly, there are some. It's so well Im- implemented in the anime that uh, you really have to look for it sometimes to know the difference between the CGI and the uh, normal 2D art because it's blended in so effectively. Uh, but I wanted to bring up 3D CGI because in the second core where they make extensive use of 3D CGI, it's very well done with the planes, right? And it reminds me a lot of the 3D CGI that was present uh, in Girls Under Panzer. I don't know if you guys have ever watched that, but the the tanks, they're beautifully animated in 3D CGI, and they're historically accurate as well, right? And they did a magnificent job at showing uh, these these fighter jets uh, in the second core. So I just want to, you know, uh, give a nod to uh, the studio for 
representing the Jets uh, accurately. Yeah, I, I think that was like one of the highlights of the show to me. Like where like they kind of when they were modeling all the planes, like doing the research, and then they kind of then they made everything fly, and then like the like the different poses, the different perspectives, different shots. It was awesome. Like I I just loved it. And then when you saw the when they showed the final product when they were um when they because like sometimes they'll show little previews of what they were making like sometimes they showed clips of Exodus and sometimes they showed clips of um of Aerial Girls I think it was pronounced yeah mm-hmm. and it was very it was very cool I like I like they did a really good job with the 3D style like making it feel making me feel the action. Use the use of 3D in in, in Shirobako, I have to agree with the sentiment that is done incredibly well. And this is something that I've been thinking of is that um, I've been noticing a lot of things that I didn't notice on the first run that were made into 3D. And I kind of came to the conclusion that 3D animation that you can't really notice is, is 3D well done. I actually noticed that the uh, the whole Musani building is made in 3D, and I actually thought that that, that was hand drawn, but no, it was actually, actually modeled. Didn't notice. Th- Wait, was it really drawn in 3D? Yes. So, you have to notice it really carefully to to uh, to see it. But yes, it, this it is. This is what I'm uh, talking about. I didn't even notice. Right. There are certain parts in which it's 2D, of course. But if you take a long shot of the whole building, that's actually modeled in 3D. Wow. I didn't know that. Really? No, I didn't notice at the at first. Yeah, that flew over my head. It totally flew over mine as well. But when we do smaller cuts, then yes, that, that's drawn by hand. But wide shots, that's 3D. And I was actually quite impressed with that. I'm curious, Tyson, when did you notice this? Did you notice this just now during the first watch? When did you notice that it was in 3D? Because, I mean, I think that 3D CGI, it is best used when it is blended in with 2D animation because uh, there's nothing that kills the mood more than, you know, watching a 2D anime and suddenly having uh, huge objects that are animated in 3D that stick out like a sore thumb because that really, uh, it kills the immersion to be honest, right? So when people manage to blend it in and sneak it, you know, uh, without the viewer necessarily noticing, it's beautiful. It's, It's when it gets in the way and it's blatantly obvious that it's really ugly and kind of deteriorates uh, the experience. That's Mark about 3D usage because by default, anime is a 2D medium. So if it, so, if anything, uh, I'd say that computers are the intruders here, but make it, but find a way for them to coexist together and you have actually good uh, 3D usage, which is pretty much what we're um, gravitating towards now, and um, I believe Kevin, you asked that when is it when I noticed that the Musani building was built was rendering 3D was somewhere along the second core that I noticed that it was done in 3D. First watch through or second watch through? Second time watching, and it was somewhere in the uh, in the second core. So basically, it just flew over your head the first time you watched, and you didn't notice it at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, this is what I'm talking about. They, they did a really good job with 3D CGI, and, and uh, unfortunately, I think that not a lot of studios um, can do this. I mean, I brought it up on Tiger and Bunny, but I'll bring it up again. Um, I found that the 3D CGI in Ghost in the Shell is kind of like a textbook example of what you shouldn't do in 3D CGI, because what they would do is they'd have a scene in 2D, and then they 
they'd make a transition to full-on 3D CGI, which looks really bad. So just don't do that. No, but that, that's where I debated the um, the overuse of 3, uh, 3D in Tiger and Bunny and basically attributing it to they exploring, uh, Sunrise rather, exploring new techniques to using Gundam. That's the that's the only way I could justify the excessive amount of CG of CG use such in Tiger and Bunny. All right, so I think that you know what? Um, before we wrap up audiovisual, uh, sound effects and design. Do you guys have any comments? Because I don't. I don't think that this anime has many sound effects um, to judge it off of. You know, like there, there aren't any guns or anything where you can judge how well they uh, replicate the sound. Yeah, there weren't much effects. There were more. It was just more of the background music. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about sound effects. How about you, Tyson? The most I have to say about sound effects is that um, creative use of sound effects were only done in episode ten, but it was a sound effects episode. So, yeah, not much, not much other than that. All right, um, let's move on to gripes and grumbles. So, do you guys have any uh, things that you would that you didn't quite like about the anime? I didn't really give it much thought because I was very invested in the show. But like, I guess. Huh. Wait, do you have any gripes? You don't. You don't have uh, to have to any gripes. To be honest, I don't really. I don't really have many. It's like I really think the show like was played out well from beginning to end. I guess like, like start in the first core could have been a little slower, because when I was watching it, I was very confused. Like I couldn't. I didn't have time to take in what was going on. So like. I guess, like, if it were a little slower, then it would have been easier to, like, take in and understand better. Like, make me appreciate it a little more. Not sure if this is a gripe, or you can consider it as one, but you know how, in the first core, everyone is introduced by their uh, by their name and titles, like, every single time, and there was a, a sudden time when that stopped? Um, I can understand that stopping for the main characters, but the secondary characters also dropping off just all of a sudden... Expecting me to know their names and everything. I know. Nah, no, I'm not a fan of that. I, I didn't try to follow the names uh, while I was watching. I was just like, okay, that guy's the director. That guy's, um, you know, producer. I just remember them by role. I remember them by role as well. But by name, no. Not at all. I don't know if this is a product of the fast pace of the anime. And again, this is completely deliberate. Because that's how things move in the industry. But... Um, I'm not sure if from a storytelling point I like it. That's pretty much the only thing I noticed that I have some sort of gripe about. All in all, this this show is incredibly well done. I don't have like uh, I don't have like a footing to take my bitching into some in some place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we spent all of our bitching on um, Taro, so <laughs> that's exactly, all good and done. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I actually like Taro. Don't like you come slack. <laughs> you know what I will do now, Joe, to spite you? I'm gonna add Taro to my list of hated characters. <laughs> right oh my now. god, I'm so triggered. <laughs> I don't think Joey gives a shit. Yeah, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin <laughs> I'm sorry, Tyson, I love you. You, I think that you guys both make interesting points about gripes because, I mean, there's a question of, okay, would have been better if they slowed down the pace? Because, yes, if they slowed down the pace, um, you know, people wouldn't get as lost. It would be more accessible to newer audiences. But at the same time, we lose that authenticity, you know, because they're trying to um, 
portray uh, the fast-paced uh, lifestyle of animators and producers and stuff, right? Because they're always rushing around trying to get stuff done, get stuff completed uh, before the deadline, right? So uh, there, there's really this conflict between authenticity and um, accessibility, I guess. No, um, no, you make that's a very good point. That's that makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Uh, I think I already said my gripe. It was just the, the only thing that I have to say that's kind of sort of negative about this anime is really the the inconsistencies uh, in the main characters. I find that uh, just the characters did not get equal screen time. So there are some that you know I, I really like, and some it's just like nah. So that's the only gripe. The other parts of the anime I quite liked, so not much to say there. So to move on, would you want to watch? A second season of Oshirobako. Yes. Any particular reason why, uh, Joe? Is there something that you want to see explore more that would justify... Zuka! <laughs> okay, so... Only reason. <laughs> Zuka, yes. Okay, so... I, I want... Like, I, I kind of want to see maybe, like, other projects they take on. Maybe, like, OVAs. I want to see more Zuka. I want to see more Kunogi. I want to see more development between the characters. I want to see even more Zuka, even more Kunogi. <laughs> and then I kind of want to... I kind of want them, like, to expand. Maybe... I know there's a lot of characters, but I also want them to expand... Like, maybe add some, throw some new characters into the mix. Like, maybe, like, make a huge overarching plot. Like, that would be really cool. And and also, it goes without saying, more Zuka and more Kunigi. Kevin? <laughs> I was initially conflicted with this because I... When I watched the first core, I was like, okay, you know what, Shibako, it's a show that tries, wh whose main goal is to represent the industry, not one that tries to uh, develop the characters. That's a secondary goal. That's what I initially thought when I was watching the first core. But gradually, as the characters got more and more development during the second core, I changed my mind. I was like, you know what, okay, the characters are actually pretty important to the story. Um, so with that in mind... I think a second season is welcome, but it's not absolutely necessary. I wouldn't blame them if they decide not to go with a second uh, uh, season. That's because I find that, you know, they succeeded in their goal of um, re representing uh, the industry and giving people an inside look on what it's like to produce anime. But at the same time, there are some loose ends that they could address. Like, you know, what happens to main characters afterwards? Do they ever get to uh, make that, uh, that animation that they really wanted to do in high school together? But... I want a second season, most of all, not for the main characters in season one, but because I want to see more of the newer uh, cast members in the second core, like that new girl with, you know, the black and yellow hair, I forget her name, and then there, there's that one really shy girl that you mentioned, Tyson, that you absolutely hate. I want to know more about these characters, right? Maybe there's more to them, you know? Maybe we're shitting on them because, you know, they're just defined by a single uh, trope in this season. Maybe they'll, there's more to them that we can see if there were a second season that was uh, was produced, you know? But I wouldn't die if there wasn't a second season. So I'm kind of, like, indifferent. So the prospects of a Shirobako season two, I think pretty much everyone who watched it, at least in the corner of any Twitter where I hang out, want a second season of Shirobako. But I have to question what exactly is there to make about a second season of Shirobako? I came up with some ideas, but 
it'll probably be uh, pressing some back moles on the industry that are quite harsh. For instance, I was thinking about how could uh, a unionized uh, animator, uh, create the creative, uh, creative stuff under the under a union could be tackled. But mm -hmm. how to integrate that into the story of these five girls who want to make anime together? Uh, I just don't see it that happening. Well, also, I, I kind of no. I, I would just want to see maybe even a short series of them trying to make the um, trying to make the movie they so wanted. They really wanted well, there to remake. There is an OVA though, isn't there? There are two special episodes. Uh, I didn't watch them, but what is it about? There's an OVA, but it's about uh, I think. Two episodes is about Exodus and, um, and, and and Aerial Girls, so it's actually an OBA about the animes they produced. It's like we have to make this distinction before we confuse people. Like throughout this whole uh, throughout Shirobako, they're working on animes, of course, but the OBAs of Shirobako are about the animes they were working on. It's an episode of Exodus and an episode of uh, Third Area Girls. I don't know what, what they're about. I haven't watched them myself. So I actually want to watch it now because Exodus. Uh, well, I don't really care about, but. Um The second, the show they're working on the second core, the fighter jets. I'm a pilot, so I really want to see um, the jets in action. And the 3D CGI, like I said, was pretty nice, so I might check you know, that out. You know, actually, I didn't mention this earlier, but like, as much as I love the second core and I would not want to see it replaced, I was kind of hoping that after, like, since I, I was shocked by like the 26 episode length, so I saw, I thought maybe like, oh, we're, the first core is going to be them making the anime, and then like. The second core is gonna be the the anime they were working on. And also another thing, what is there for the girls to be able to to do the much better? For instance, Aoi, what is next after having the production desk director? She's gonna direct uh, directing anime. And as for as for Emma, um, she already did super um, animation supervision. So what's next? Character design. I mean, how is the um, how, how is the latter? Of command going to up the ante. Um, I don't know what would the what would be the equivalent of uh, Emisa's uh, case. One idea that I had is um, it's not necessarily a good one, but it could work. Uh, perhaps a second season focusing on the newer employees at the studio. You know that revolves around them. So we have uh, more development for those secondary characters that we didn't see much of, and we see how the main characters from the first season uh, are adapting to their new roles uh, higher up in the chain of command, you know, so to speak. If anything, a second season of Shirobako, the only way I can see it working is with a new cast of characters and maybe um, some nods to the original Shirobako, like for instance, Musabe Musani is contacted to do commission work to, for something, so... Um, for the, for instance, uh, Aoi may be delivering the materials to them. It's like, hey, that that's for Shirobako One. So you mean like a spin-off series? Not necessarily spin-off, but but continuation. I'd be really disappointed if they didn't name the continuation Kurobako. Kuro. <laughs> Because like Shiro means white, yeah, Shiro means white, and Kuro means black. Well, so. I hope there isn't Kurobako the anime because that means that uh, it involves lots and lots of plane crashes. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be an anime about. Um, I, I'm not even gonna say it. Right? No, no. It's just. <laughs> nah, nah, Kevin. Let's not go too far. 
No, but but seriously, I'm curious to see how would a train wreck of an anime look like. So this whole like, this whole throwback to Jiggly Jiggly having, I I I think that would be interesting to see. Like, how would an anime fail so spectacularly? I would be interested in watching that, even as an OVA, as they get to see the, the troubled development of an anime that just barely made it, barely made it. Guys, uh, I have a question for you. If you could summarize uh, your experience watching Shirabako, or not, if you can summarize a show and, and everything it includes into one sentence, what would that sentence be? I can't focus on drawing anime if my tears are all over it. <laughs> but is there any role that you would want to take from the ones that were depicted in the anime? Ooh, I would... Honestly, I'd want to be the, um... Like, I'd want to help with story writing. You want to be a story writer. Okay. I really like making stories. Like, often, I, um, I'll usually walk around maybe commuting or, like... Like, a commuting or during school, I'll always have this, like, one story in my head that I always, like, telling to myself, like, kind of developing. Because maybe someday I could... Because my dream is to make video games when I'm older. So maybe I can turn that storytelling into, like... And, like, put it into a game. Question, do you do you, do you walk around with, an, uh, with a notepad or something that you just jot down your ideas, like, on the go? Not, not really. It's all, like, in my mind. And, like, sometimes I'll listen to music, which kind of amplifies my thoughts so I can kind of focus in on a certain thing I want to develop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kevin? All right. Um, I was thinking the same question while I was watching this because um, I-, I came up with two roles that I think I would like to do in the industry, all right? Uh, first one is setting production. So, basically, uh, doing the job that Diesel was doing for uh, the studio. Basically, that involves lots and lots of research, right? And I love research. I'm I'm OCD about research, right? Um, I'm a huge history buff, and um, I just love planes and stuff, which is exactly what Diesel was doing, so I was really happy for that, and I was really excited about that. Uh, secondly, voice actor, you know, just because we're all we're doing a podcast here, right? So obviously... Um, I like talking and I like acting. So voice acting allows you to do both those things without, you know, having the same uh, anxiety with no- uh, with normal acting, you know, where you're in front of a camera. So I think voice acting is kind of like bo- the best of both worlds. As for me, um, I think it's kind of obvious. Sound design. <laughs> As for other role other than sound design, um, I used to draw, but... I'm not sure if I would be good enough at that to make it into a living. Um, I certainly, I certainly enjoy a creative uh, pursuit. Maybe, maybe production decks or something, or production assistant. Can I recommend a job for you, Tyson? What? I think that you should become the head of a studio because you fucking love cooking, you know, with all those uh, those canned pork chops, you know. <laughs> you love cooking, oh my so might as well become yeah, president. You could become the president. <laughs> Or you could become the producer and then um, and just go out, just like make a little cake shop next to the studio. And people would be having a meeting. You just go around handing out canned pork chops, everyone. No, no, no. <laughs> oh god, no, no. He, he, Tyson is like Honda in real life, basically. He has this hidden dream of becoming uh, a chef. You know, he's not telling us about. It. Actually, I have I have dreamt about being a chef when I was younger. Just imagine Tyson in an apron, right? Just. just picture that <laughs> a very girly apron 
Yeah, so for you, your listeners out there, since you don't know what Tyson looks like, just picture Itachi in a, in a pink apron. That's pretty hot. <laughs> well, well, the thing about that is that the audience doesn't have to imagine it. There's an OBA featuring Itachi on an apron. They don't have to imagine it. You don't have to look that up. Oh, God. It's, there's probably some sort of free ex-Naruto crossover. No, big, no. This is official art. Official art. Not a doujinshi or anything. Official art. Ew, get get that away from <laughs> Hashtag me. Hashtag rule thirty four. Rule thirty four. <laughs> I shall link it. I shall link it to you to you too, so you can be horrorized. So that wraps up this episode of Get a Light Podcast Kunai. Um, next episode, Kevin. What's next? All right. Um, I hope you guys. I, I hope there are fans of Gainax in the audience because Ugh, the next Gainax anime is yes, yes. EVA, not just kidding. It is PSG, <laughs> wow, Ke- also known oh, wow, as Kevin. Uh, screw you too. <laughs> I just cock-blocked all the EVA fans out there. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, it's not EVA. It is PSG, also known as uh, Panty and Stalking with the Garter Belt. But no one gives a shit about Garter Belt, so. AKA one of the best dubs ever made. Yeah, it is literally. If you guys didn't know about it, it is what happens when you take Powerpuff Girls meets basically. I don't know what's angels. Um, it's ghosts, pop-up girls for adults, basically. And porn. Wow, wow, it is awesome. So, if if you watch it, no real talk. It is god tier. It is god tier. If you watch it, please watch it in the English dub, or else you're doing it wrong. Okay, and it's surprising we we do. Yeah, the Japanese dub is very yeah. standard. We don't often suggest watching anime in English dubs because most of the time we, we go with the Japanese dub but for this it is a must do but anyways uh, what are your thoughts on this episode you know what you like what didn't you like you know share your thoughts with us send Tyson your fanfics all this can be done through <laughs> Twitter or uh, email so um yes yeah, send, send us your um, send us your love send us your hate send us your death threats we'll be there you can contact Joe at um, Z-U-K-A uh, underscore what? F-T-W what? underscore What the hell? What? What? <laughs> what the hell? You can be found under at Zuka for the win, all right? Tyson, what's your uh, handle? <laughs> no, like... <laughs> Um, it, my, my handle is Sugumi <laughs> S-F-T-S-U-D-O-M-I-F-T-W Sugumi for the wing Oh my god Yeah Tyson this is why you'll never have the best taste In this podcast You know what guys if we keep on like <laughs> hey, they can screw you, screw If you. we keep on misadvertising our Twitter handles Like no wonder we don't get any messages You know like this is yeah. why we're always forever alone <laughs> Okay know? guys real talk Okay so my handle is At KiboGamer spelled K-I-B-O-U-G-A-M-E-R. Uh, my handle is at the Tempest Phoenix. So it's T-H-E-T-E-M-P-E-S-T-F-E-N-I-X. So it's not spelled the regular way. Uh, Tyson? All, uh, all in capitals, by the way. And my... <laughs> no, 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 no. Only the first letter of if, each if, word. Ignore him. Not all caps. Just do everything <laughs> capital. And my Twitter handle is at K-A-N-A-Y-E underscore. So that's K-A-N-A underscore. Also, if you guys don't got Twitter, but you still want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email at galp.pea at gmail.com. That's, those emails will go to Bishop's secretary and it'll reach us eventually. Yeah, like real talk. Like, let us know what you think. Like, we love, we love hearing from everybody. 
Of course. Also, um, I forgot the I forgot the Twitter handle for the podcast. G A L P dot no. G A L P. It's at G A L P Kunai. K U N A I. So that wraps up this episode of Get a Life Podcast Kunai. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye, everybody. See you guys. Stay sexy, boys and girls. <laughs> Whoa. Joe, you okay? Sorry about that. Sorry about that. There was noise in the background. There's an earthquake. <laughs> There's an earthquake and we lost Joe. Joe. Three men went from four man episode to three man episode to two man episode. <laughs> We're gonna continue for Joe and Bish. <laughs> we have to hold we have to hold in a eulogy for me for these two. Uh Joe, we're gonna be using your webcam. Huh? I can be using a webcam because we need to do the, the signals and all that. Uh, well, I told you before, I am using a webcam. I'm Phoenix Wright IRL. I'm Phoenix Wright IRL. <laughs> all right. Hey, guys. What, what is it with the mechanical keyboard? Kabang, stop showing that you're no, a PC that's after not, That's not me. I have... I'm not touching my keyboard right now. Hands up, don't shoot, all right? Don't shoot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you can contact that email. Anyway, I forgot to turn off, um, forgot to silence my devices. So let me do that right now before we continue. Fucking email. I'm actually getting good at saying these Japanese names. Whee! You're slowly turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. Tyson's turning more quiet by the minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the prospect of <laughs> stop making me laugh. <laughs> Sorry, just because this guy is showing me his now so fair to the camera, I just give it to him. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I just feel so bad. <laughs>